Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Our first sponsor today is Navy Hair Care. I have been working with Navy Hair Care since they launched back in 2018. At that time, I was about a year postpartum with our third child, and my hair was experiencing some trouble after some significant postpartum hair loss. Navy really helped to strengthen my hair, and I noticed a big difference about one to two months after using it regularly. With biotin, vitamins, and rosemary oil, this shampoo and conditioner combo has been part of my daily routine for years now. I also use the charcoal mask every one to two weeks to help revitalize my hair. It helps to dry out toxins, heavy metals, and impurities, which we have plenty of since we have well water. This mask will leave your hair feeling incredibly soft and lightweight. You can use the code Lindsay, L-Y-N-Z-Y, for 30% off your order, and I will leave the links to the products I mentioned within the show notes. Hello, everyone. Today, I will be chatting with Dr. Meg Mill. Meg is a functional medicine practitioner, best-selling author, podcast host, and speaker. In her virtual functional medicine practice, she works with patients worldwide to heal the root cause of their health struggles through advanced diagnostic testing and personalized support. She has been seen on Fox News Channel, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, Reader's Digest, Health Magazine, and has appeared on many podcasts. In her podcast, A Little Bit Healthier, she discusses simple things you can add to your life every day to live a healthier, more fulfilled life. Meg is particularly passionate about helping people end migraines and headaches, increase energy and restore mental clarity without drugs or overwhelming protocols with her proven EAT method. In today's episode, we will discuss everything headache related. Are hormones to blame? Does magnesium help? What can we do to help prevent them? And much more. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All right, everyone, we have Dr. Meg Mill here on the show today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So I would love to start off with just the story of how you got started in medicine in general, because you worked in conventional medicine, doing pharmacy, and then you kind of moved into functional medicine. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yes. Well, absolutely. So I started off as a pharmacist. I got my PharmD. And then after pharmacy school, I went and actually did a residency in ambulatory care clinical pharmacy. And so I worked in a a lot of, I worked in hospitals and clinics doing like outpatient ambulatory care work. And I kind of had two different things that made me 
change from from the conventional side of medicine into the functional side. So I'll, I'll tell you both kind of that were happening at the same time. So one, when I was working with patients, there's protocols. There's like, okay, if you know we need to do this next and we need to do this. And, and I knew all the protocols. I knew why people were being placed on medication. I'm encouraging this. And at the same time, I'm seeing this gap in care where it's just all about, okay, what medicine can we take? What's the next step med- for medicine? But there's so many things here that we can be doing that no one was actually educating on. And it, it really, there's this there's this space between when you actually need the medication and where a lot of people are that was just sort of brushed over. So people are just living really, I'd like to say, you know, surviving rather than thriving because we're just being handled by like another medication, another, and the, each one, you know, medication isn't without side effects. It may be, it's a small percentage that gets them. Maybe some are greater than others, but there's always a consequence in some form Sometimes they're necessary, but in some form of consequence. So I'm seeing all of this happen and I'm, I'm really getting more and more. I've always been more of that preventative nature interested and I'm seeing this happen more in my practice and everything like that. But at the same time, then I was also having gut health issues. And so I was having like terrible stomach pain. I was just going and I started jumping around from gastroenterologist to gastroenterologist knowing there is something wrong. Like, I'm like, I I don't feel well. I was young. You know, I knew that this wasn't normal for me to feel this way, but I just kept getting no answers. It was like, oh yeah, you're, you're fine. You have IBS, which I feel like is sometimes just like, we don't know what's going on, you know, just go on your way. And, and at one point I was even, uh, I hear these stories from people, clients I work with all the time now. I mean, you, I was offered the SSRI saying that that's, you're given an antidepressant, like, okay, well, that's not why I'm actually here. I, you know, the, I was told the, the proton pump inhibitors you know, really actually decrease your stomach acid. And that's all not good in the long term for a lot of these IBS symptoms. And given all these things that were not helpful and not ever solving my problem, they, I was offered, I guess, and not all these things that weren't solving my problem. And, and we moved, my husband and I moved around in those years a lot. So I'd kind of like, okay, I'm not getting answers. I'd move to a new location. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try someone else. And you know, go through it all again and just just really could not get any answers. And so I just, I'm a researcher so that I have the interest of like, okay, let me just, you know, find everything I can. I had heard about functional medicine and I started researching and I thought, okay, this resonates with me. I understand this. Okay. The microbiome, all of these things. And so I just started doing my own research and, and implementing these things. And then I started learning more about it and did stool testing. And it really wasn't until I was able to to find functional medicine that I was finally able to heal my gut. And really once that happened, so many things in my life turned around. I started feeling better. I had more energy, more vibrancy, your skin clears up. I mean, there's just so many things that that start to happen. So I made a whole career change because they're they're really quite different in the approach. And so I made the career change. I went back, got certified in functional medicine, went through all the education, and then actually opened my practice. So now I see people all over the world in my functional medicine practice. And we really get to the root cause. So we really want to say like, okay, you are a unique individual. We're not going to bucket you into all these different things. We're going to look at you as a whole person. And we're going to start to make all the connections for you as this whole person and put all the puzzle pieces together so that you and your unique self can really start to feel your best. Yeah. Yeah. 
We were talking very briefly before this, and I was telling you about this like primary practice that an internal medicine provider, she is also functional medicine as well. So it's like this combination, but insurance won't cover it. So it's like, it's such a bummer, right? That in America, I feel like we're so focused. And by we, I just mean insurance companies and pharmacology really are kind of focused on like the chronicity of disease rather than trying to figure out A, who a person is individually, like you said, and also like, can we get to the root of this instead of giving you medications that will put the bandaid on and make it better, all the while kind of not being able to address. And there's so many reasons why that happens and it wouldn't make sense. We don't have enough time with patients as it is. And to be able to get to the root cause of things, you have to know a patient, you have to have enough time with them, you have to understand. And the way that medicine works in this country, you just don't have the ability to do that in the current climate. So that's why I feel like functional medicine kind of marrying in with conventional medicine is is such a beautiful thing because you do need different drugs for different things. There's other instances where you can get to the root cause and figure all of that out and not have to go on medication for certain things. So it's very nuanced, but not covered by insurance at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and it's like exactly why you're saying, because we take that time and there's even when I'm talking with people, I'm like, even outside of the appointment times, I'm doing research on people. I'm really like tailoring everything very uniquely to them. And, and there just isn't the time. And, and a lot of that, exactly what you're saying is, you know, with insurance companies, and big pharma funding a lot. I mean, like that. There's a lot of profit involved in in max in maximizing profits. In some ways, you know, you can go deep and say that you know they want you to take the medication in some way. Not the provider, but the pharmaceutical companies are making money on you taking the medication too. So there's a whole there's a lot of layers. Right. No. Absolutely. You know. Obviously, you spent a lot of time as a pharmacologist. Do you think, like, how often do you think people are placed on medications where you th- where you think if they got to the root cause, like, would this cause a, a significant amount of the population to not be on a lot of these medications if we were able to do medicine in that way and like very nuanced and trying to really get to know that person? Yes. So we have sort of a watch and wait system. So we're going to say, we're going to look at cardiovascularly. We're going to watch your glucose go up and up and up until it's like, oh, okay, now you have diabetes and we're going to put you on metformin. Or we can watch your thyroid start to go your TSH start to change. And, you know, and we could even, that's a whole nother conversation about getting all the right lab work for, for the thyroid, but all of these things we're sort of watching and waiting until then. Oh, okay. That's medication. So in that watch and wait, there are so many things you can actually be doing, changing your diet and your lifestyle and getting the right nutrients and all of that, that can get you to the point where you may never need and hopefully wouldn't need that medication. But I, I think that's where the the gap comes in. And then there's things like sometimes like gut, you know, where there's like gut health or we're not even really examining the microbiome. We're just saying, here's the medication where we really know now there's so much data. There's so much research on the importance and, and really that's the key to a lot to fixing a lot of these issues, but that's not really even evaluated fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that we're talking about this today because 
I and we're going to get into headaches like right after this, I promise. I recently went to a vascular surgeon because I have like very severe varicose veins ever since I was pregnant with my second and then of course pregnant my third, fourth, and now my leg is just it's like chronic swelling, chronic pain, all of those things. And so I I went and he's like, "Okay, this looks great. You have very severe reflux. We definitely need to do these two procedures and your insurance though." This insurance company is going to require you for to do this like three month follow up. So we can't do anything until you go three months, come back to me, try the stockings, even though you've been trying them all along, try them for three more months, and then we can check this box and then we can go to the procedure, just like requirement by insurance. So fine, sure, do the dance, jump through the hoops, follow up in February. Okay, everything's fine. We're going to proceed with the procedure. I schedule it out. They call me last week. Your insurance won't cover this. So they denied my procedure. So now I can't have it. Here's the kicker. And this is such a great example of like everything we're talking about. So I go on the website, on Aetna's website, and it like lists out all the things you need to have in order to be approved for the procedure. And it's like, you need to have chronically dealt with multiple DVTs. Oh my. Yeah. You don't want to be at the point at that point. You need to treat that before. You don't want to fix your body before something really bad happens. We didn't need to do it afterwards. That way we're actually shelling out more money. I'm like, this makes no sense to me. Like absolutely zero sense. So anyway, now I have to like jump through these hoops to try to go see someone else who will hopefully appeal. And like, anyway, so it's like, this is unfortunately what we're dealing with, right? And we're all dealing with the same thing where it's like we're chasing our tails instead of being the forefront of our healthcare and like taking care of ourselves, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So let's move on. So what made you passionate about taking care of people with headaches? Like what made your focus be headaches in general? So whenever I opened my practice, I started seeing this common trend where I started to see women, I work with the majority of women and they would come to me for two, either I would notice two trends. One, I'm getting people that have headaches and migraines and and are interested in solving that. But I also noticed this other trend and that was that people were coming to me with other things, like maybe it was gut health or maybe it was autoimmunity or thyroid, but I do a very detailed intake questionnaire and symptom questionnaire before we even start. And I would look through these and I would see that so many people were saying like, oh, I have headaches once a week, or I've had headaches for as long as I can remember, or I'm suffering from migraines. And it actually normalized. People were so used to it and just told it was part of their life that they weren't even coming for that. It was just like, oh, that's just something I have to deal with. And then when we would work together, they would say, oh my gosh, I can't even believe it. I don't have headaches anymore. I never thought that was possible. This is life-changing. And I felt like there, it just this population is really sort of left high and dry. It's, it's one of those like, okay, you either need to take medication that's just really band-aiding your pain and not ever really getting to the root cause. And when we can get to the root cause, which there are many unique factors for each person, then the headaches start to really decrease in both incidence and severity. So I created a program called Headstrong, where we work specifically on that for women who have who have headaches and migraines and, and just have had so much success seeing this these really dramatic changes. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, everybody I talked to, like I said, before we started, I mean, 
everybody has questions about headaches because everyone suffers from them, whether it's like a daily thing or specifically for women, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get to in this recording is hormonal headaches. Women just kind of suffering either in the beginning, during or after their cycle. I feel like that's really, really incredibly common. I'd love to hear from you about, I guess first, do you mind kind of touching on the difference between a headache and a migraine for us? Because I know kind of both terms are kind of thrown around. So it would be good to kind of just hammer that down first. Sure. So a headache is more, is probably that like a tension headache is the most common type of headache. And usually that's like a dull band across, you know, across your head. That when you're looking at the biggest thing that is is the most obvious way to determine sort of the difference is tension headaches don't generally have a pattern. They don't last as long generally. They're not quite generally quite as intense and there's no there's no pattern to them where when you have a migraine you're going to get generally and and it can present differently for everyone but you're generally going to get more of an intense and a and a throbbing pain sometimes they're just one sided like people often say like oh it's behind my left eye is where it starts or it can happen on both sides of your head but that can be a common presentation and then you start to you you have this pattern where some people will get the aura some people get the nausea and those can last up to 72 hours really so there that when you have a migraine generally that's when you're going to want to go somewhere where it's like dark and quiet and and they can you can have visual changes and things like that so those are kind of like the basic differences in in the presentation This podcast episode is brought to you by Earth Breeze. Now is the time to do away with those big and bulky laundry detergent jugs. They're heavy, inconvenient, and 91% of them end up in landfills and oceans, which can harm our planet and our oceans. One of the best things we did recently was to switch over to Earth Breeze laundry detergent sheets, and I'm excited to say that they work great, even on tough stains. They arrive at your doorstep in a small box that looks like a box of dryer sheets. Each sheet is a liquidless, laundry detergent that dissolves 100% in any wash cycle. Just toss that sheet into your laundry and you're good to go. No mess with the liquid detergent. My favorite part is that it makes it much easier for our kids to do their own laundry now. They can throw their laundry in with a sheet and voila. I will say that I was a little bit hesitant at first due to my daughter's sensitive skin, but I am excited to report that we have had no issues. These sheets are hypoallergenic and dermatology tested. Earth Breeze is compatible with high-efficiency washers, gray water systems, and septic safe for those of you with a septic system like us. You can set up a flexible subscription that is easily adjustable and can be paused or canceled at any time. I love that we no longer have to buy those large plastic jugs that take up space in our laundry room. This makes it much easier for our kids as well. This is just another way to help our environment, which is so incredibly important right now. Try Earth Breeze risk-free. They will give you a full refund if you are not satisfied with their product. No questions asked. Switch from the old-fashioned goo to something new. Right now, my listeners can subscribe to Earth Breeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash Lindsay, that's L-Y-N-Z-Y, to get started. That's earthbreeze.com slash Lindsay for 40% off. earthbreeze.com slash Lindsay. Now that you are more focused on functional medicine, what would your approach be as far as treatment goes? 
What we do is we want to really become detectives of you. So we want to take all of the people, like think of you as a unique individual and, and really puzzle piece all of the things that are triggers for you that could be causing your headache. And what's really complicated when it comes to both headaches and migraines is there's all different triggers for each person. And then there's sometimes thresholds. So it can be like maybe for, let's say, we'll get into some dietary things, but even like, okay, I can eat somewhat, like if I eat, let's just use nuts. I can eat a handful of nuts and I don't have the migraine, but I'm going to eat a whole, you know, I'm going to eat a whole bag of nuts. And then that's triggered. That's putting me over the edge enough to have the migraine. So, so really we're looking at all the triggers that go together and then the threshold and really becoming the detective that puts all the pieces together. So like when you're looking at it, like conventionally, sometimes it's like, okay, we're just covering up the pain. We want to treat the pain. You have a headache, we cover the pain where we're flipping that around. And we're saying, we want to find all of the things that are actually triggering the headaches so that we can fix those things. And then you don't get the headaches. Now, because you focus in on this so much, have you seen things, whether it's stress-related, food-related, things that affect people more often than others? Well, probably hormones are a huge one. I'm trying to dietary too. So I would say diet and hormones would probably be the two most common things I see. So if somebody's listening today, and of course they're like, oh, I would love to be able to hire you, Dr. Meg, or someone else to be able to kind of get to the root of my headaches, but you know, I can't do that right now for whatever reason, financially or what have you, what are some things that they can start doing right now after listening that might help relieve some of the pain that they have if they have chronic headaches or chronic migraines? Yes. So the first thing I want you to do is act often that I'll have people print out a blank calendar. So take a calendar that, you know, we can find those online anywhere now that, and just print it out. And if you have a headache, I want you to write down what you ate that day or the day before you want to look for other things that are happening in your life. You want to maybe look at, so, so I'm going to just take a step back and say that dehydration and lack of sleep are independent risk factors for headaches and migraines. So you want to look at, okay, was it a night that I didn't get as much sleep? Am I dehydrated? You, we, particularly for headaches, we want to make sure that we're staying hydrated at a cellular level. We want to try to sip water through the day so we really get that cellular hydration. If you get this this headache, write down what you ate like for the past 48 hours you want to say potentially when in your cycle you are so we can look at patterns in your cycle you want to see like you know are you hydrated are you did you sleep do you have any changes in your environment changes in your stress look for those those connections and then start to pay attention to things that are common so okay well you know what every time I had the headache. I had some aged cheese. Like I had the certain kind of cheese. Okay. Is that a common trigger for you? There, you know, lemon salicylates can bother people. So it can be adding lemon water, you know, and you're doing that for detoxification and you're doing it to be healthy. And that's where it can get confusing because some of the things that actually are healthy can actually trigger some of these things. But if you start to look for common patterns, you may be really surprised what starts to show up for you. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I want to throw out this information because it really helped me. So I listened to the Huberman Lab podcast. I don't know if you've ever listened to that before, Meg, but he has two episodes. One's on sleep and one is on water intake. The one on water, I mean, both of them are great, but the one on water intake, I was like, oh, wow, I am like chronically dehydrated. As I'm sure so many of us are because you go through the day and obviously so many things are happening, especially as a mom, you're very busy, you have things going on, you might be working, you might just be taking care of the kids, whatever it is, time gets gets ahead of you and you just are not hydrated and you don't realize how much you really need. So like right now I'm I'm drinking 100 ounces a day and it's it is it's hard. It's almost like a job. But at the same time like you can definitely see the benefits from that. So I will definitely attest to that. That has made a huge improvement in my own life in the past couple of weeks. But listening to those two episodes, it's really cool because he really gets down and deep into it, but it's still at a at a level that's really understandable for everybody. Highly recommend listening to those if you want more information on either sleep or hydration because you mentioned both of those and they're both very important. What about specific foods? Have you found that you're going through some of these charts that your patients might make and you see these like common foods that might be triggering for people? Yeah. So there's two buckets when it comes to food. So we know that there are certain foods in the data that are can trigger headaches. And where that gets confusing is it doesn't happen for all people. It's it's unique. But there so we're looking at foods like histamine containing foods and these are maybe fermented foods, aged cheeses. We have tyramine containing foods and those are like aged and cured foods. I mentioned the salicylates that can be found in citrus, nitrates or in things like hot dogs, bacon. We sometimes see sulfites, which can be in wine and dried fruits. And then, and then fertain is in diets, soda. We have MSG, which can be in canned and prepared food and some artificial colorings and flavorings and also caffeine, which is tricky because caffeine can actually help you feel better when you have the headache, but it can be cause rebound. So we have those foods that we want to look at in a general fashion and say, okay, are any of these foods triggering me? But then we also have another bucket when it comes to foods, and those are unique to each person, and those are IgG food sensitivities. So that is whenever you start to get some intestinal permeability, which we would call now as leaky gut, and where we start to get some of these antibodies getting through that gut lining. And when that happens, that's activating your immune system and that actually can trigger the headaches. So we want, when I'm working with people, we look at, we look at those categories of foods and then we often will look at individual food sensitivities because I can, I see amazing differences for some people bringing those food sensitivities down and it's, it's tricky. I do testing. So, so much of what I'm doing is, is running tests to really get exact data. But when we run some of those tests, we'll see an interesting thing. It's just surprising because it's not always foods that you feel again are, are unhealthy. For example, in my last Headstrong group, I had someone who was eating vegan protein, which is pea protein, because she was trying to stay away from dairy because dairy, there's information out now that people are avoiding dairy. Dairy can be inflammatory. It's actually a common food sensitivity. But when we got her testing back, we saw that she actually had a IgG antibody response to peas and not dairy. So by eating, by changing that protein shake, it made a big difference for her. So 
it is unique to each person. And sometimes getting that testing and finding that data of what's unique to you can be really helpful. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. Can you explain that testing just a tad more because of my own curiosity, but also for those listening, because I had told you I was looking into this practice that kind of marries conventional medicine with functional medicine. And they were talking about how they first see you, they spend two hours to get to know you, but then they also always, one of the most common tests they do is this sensitivity test, which I'm assuming is probably the same thing that you're talking about. So can you just explain that a little bit more? Sure. So what happens is, you know, I'm going to take a like a little step back just because I think this can be very confusing for people. So when we have different types of immune responses to food. So when you have a true food allergy, you're going to have an IgE antibody response and you're going to have hives, shortness of breath. Those IgG antibody responses are lifelong. Generally, you don't outgrow them. That's something we you avoid forever. And that would be a food allergy. So what we're talking about is a food sensitivity and food sensitivities are IgG antibody responses and they occur because of this intestinal permeability. So what happens, I'm going to do it in like an analogy way, but you want to think of your gut lining like a cheesecloth. So we have these teeny tiny little holes in the cheesecloth where your food permeates in a nice size into the bloodstream and is absorbed and everything's happy. Well, what, so what starts to happen if there's any underlying gut infections, anything that starts to change that environment, we can start to get tears in this cheesecloth. And when that happens, we actually get food particles that enter our bloodstream in bigger particles that are intended. And they also can be attached. We have these bacteria like called lipopolysaccharides. So we can get these also in our bloodstream. It activates our immune system. So our immune system is seeing these larger particles thinking, alert, alert, this is not normal. This is an invader, but it's actually just food. And it actually also is the food you eat most often commonly, because those are the foods that are getting through. So it's not saying, okay, this is, for example, peanuts, and you're going to you have an issue with peanuts, you're always going to have an issue with peanuts. It's like, well, maybe it's chicken because you eat chicken for dinner every night, and that's what your body's seeing, and then you create this antibody response. So what we have to do is we actually have to pull these foods out, and we they have around a 23-day half-life. So we want to ideally pull them out for about 90 days and then re- and, and really heal the gut at the same time, heal the lining so that we don't get the same dynamic. And then we reintroduce them. And so we reintroduce them into your body and we see if you have any response. Now, the, another part of it that ch- is tricky is that the response is nonspecific. So the response can be like a headache. It, it can be a rash. It can be acne or eczema or bloating or, you know, upset stomach. And so sometimes they're very hard for people to pinpoint because you're, you don't have that like immediate response and they can happen 24 to 48 hours after. And so it just, it becomes tricky to pinpoint these sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I know that makes sense, but I have just with some of their own research I've been doing recently and actually some of the guests I've had on recently, 
the gut has a lot to do with a lot of the other things going on. I had just done a, a podcast on eczema specifically. And yeah, we talked a lot about the gut. Yes, <laughs> yes, that yes exactly. That's where you go when you have eczema, look to the gut for sure. Yes, yes. Yeah. So it was it was very interesting and eye-opening. Can we switch gears into hormones and how that relates to headaches and migraines and what, if anything, can we do about it? Sure. So the two most common reasons that that women have hormonal migraines are estrogen dominance and a rapid change in hormones. And so that's why it's very common for you to get, you know, if you get your your migraines at ovulation or right before your period is happening because at, in the luteal phase both estrogen and progesterone it, like the progesterone will increase, but it uh, it often will go if if you're that's a, just a common time for you to become estrogen dominant. So you're gonna have an estrogen dominance over progesterone because you should have an increase of progesterone at the time. So what we need to look at is why you have the estrogen dominance, and that can be tricky because it's not always about these really high levels of estrogen. One, you could have low progesterone, and so that can be what's making you estrogen dominant. The other thing I actually see commonly in the women I'm working with with migraines is the way you metabolize estrogen, which you're not going to actually be able to see in a blood test. So I use a Dutch test, which actually tests urine, and we do five different samples of the urine, and we actually can see these metabolites in the urine. And what happens is even if you don't have high levels of overall estrogen, sometimes you're actually metabolizing it into these metabolites that are that are very strong. So you're feeling these estrogen dominant symptoms even if you're not if if you don't have high estrogen levels or you could have a high overall estrogen or some of these other imbalances. But what we need to do then is shift those pathways in order to really get the balance. So hormones are all about balance. We want to make sure that that estrogen and progesterone are in good balance with each other. How would you know if you specifically like what are some signs and symptoms of estrogen dominance that you can feel? as as the mm-hmm. person that might be experiencing it. Yeah, so some things that you might feel are like a breast tenderness before you get your period, heavy cramping, excessive bleeding, PMS symptoms, mood swings. So if you're someone who has those like painful periods where you're getting like a lot of symptoms before, you could have estrogen dominance. But where like this is where I'm saying it gets a little bit tricky because you still might have lower like even women who if you just don't rule it out if you're if you're like oh wait that's not me but I still get migraines well you still could have an imbalance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so so I totally get the if you are estrogen dominant you can kind of because I actually had to do this for my own self right in between the babies that we had three and four I had a significant dominance in estrogen and had to kind of rework things and we tried a couple different things that actually worked but what if you're someone that Maybe you're not estrogen dominant, but the fluctu- the severe fluctuation, like the quick fluctuation of your hormones might be triggering it. Is there anything that you can do in that particular instance? Yeah. So we have to, you know, in some ways that's where like the testing comes in to look and see what's actually going on. Because some of those, we have to look at why. So what, you know, why is that happening and, and what do we need to do? It, it really is all about just making sure that everything 
is balance with each other and and also just bringing down your over I guess something that you could do right now is just bring down your your overall xenoestrogens. We have our body makes estrogen, but we're also exposed to a lot of what we call xenoestrogens and these are coming in from the outside. So things like in your personal hygiene products, we ha- could have hormone-laden b- beef and dairy. We can have BPA that we're eating out of plastic. That's one of the the biggest culprits because we actually put our food in plastic and then sometimes it's being heated in the microwave or even in the dishwasher when you're washing it and it breaks down the composition and then that can le- leach into your food. And so those, you know, there's, there is, you know, estrogen in BPA. So these endocrine disruptors can also de- disrupt the level of estrogen in your body too. So really looking up, and you can do a quick search. That's something that's pretty easy to find. There's a lot of apps too that you can actually look at to see what's in your products, or you can go to ewg.org skin deep site and they rate all of your, you know, all of the beauty products and things like that. So you can look at, okay, what, what's even in mine? Because a lot of these things, when you're looking at them, they have these big words that are hard to understand and it's like confusing, but there's so many resources, fortunately, these days that we can go to that help us, you know, really figuring out that, figure out that. So we can you know, start to pull some of those back too. That can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I know we're kind of talking about less than conventional ways to treat headaches or get to the root cause, but I did have so many questions about this, so I want to address it. So say you're working with somebody and and you've definitely tried all the things, but but that person is still struggling with specifically what you think is hormonal migraines. Are there any medications that you have seen work specifically for those that are struggling with hormonal migraines? Not really. I think that with hormonal migraines in particular, it's really about focusing on the hormone balance. And the pill is not that answer because the pill is sort of just another Band-Aid approach to give you the, you know, give you synthetic hormones and our body's not always responding to synthetic hormones. And then actually like it can do things like sometimes when you're taking birth control pill, you're not absorbing B6. It can block the absorption of vitamin B6, which in turn is a cofactor for serotonin. And when we have low serotonin, that can also be another migraine trigger. So we're looking at all, like that's where it gets so complicated because (laughs) there's so many factors here that are playing on each other in order to create this whole dynamic. And we're, you know, so we have to look at it multifactorially from all these different places. But with when it is a hormonal issue, I do think just really finding someone who's going to balance your hormones and get everything back into like harmony is really the way to go. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because oftentimes you will see that birth control, whether it be IUD or what have you as as one of the options to potentially treat or make these migraines better. But in some instances, people actually report it gets worse. worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear. Like, yeah. oh, I, I tried the birth control, but actually it made my migraines worse. So you're not really addressing by doing the adding the birth control, you're not really addressing that underlying imbalance. So we got to figure, we have to say like, what is that imbalance and why is that occurring in your body? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I guess probably one of the first steps, like you said, would be if you're somebody who thinks that it's like related to your cycle is just charting down, like, first of all, like when, how, how often are your cycles coming? How much you're bleeding during your cycle? How many days you bleed for? Just writing down everything you can about your actual cycle itself and symptoms and everything before you talk to somebody about it could be really helpful to to try to figure out whether you might be perhaps estrogen dominant or, or what have you. And then kind of going from there with testing would probably mm-hmm. be the best idea. Yeah. I have a guide too. It's called, it's just, if you go to www.hormonefixer.com that it actually talks about the different symptoms of estrogen dominance, of low estrogen, of high testosterone, low t- so it, it kind of could give you, if you're just looking for like, okay, well, what are those symptoms? And where do I fit in? It's it's just a little key to that you might want to go through. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I'll link that in the show notes. I wanted to ask you about magnesium when it comes to headaches and or migraine. Do you see any role of taking magnesium either on a daily basis or when you like maybe prior to your cycle when you think you might be getting a headache? Does it help at all? Yes. Now I can't give like medical, this, this is all just for informational purposes only, but if someone is a person who suffers from regular headaches or regular migraines, I definitely recommend starting a magnesium daily other it, unless there's a reason that you shouldn't. So everyone has a unique health condition, but I do find that as a very common mineral deficiency for people that have headaches. And so, and you know, magnesium is hard because with topsoil erosion, there's a lot of us that are deficient in magnesium and don't know it. And you can't always get it through food. So, you know, you're trying to get it through food. You can look at things like pumpkin seeds or almonds, spinach, cashews, things like that, add those to your diets. But if you can't get enough, you might not be able to get enough for through food. And that I would recommend supplementing then with magnesium. Is there any specific magnesium supplement that you recommend, like magnesium oxide or? Actually, I recommend for headaches, magnesium glycinate generally. I found a lot of success there. Now, that also depends on what else you have going on. So something like if you're constipated, so we we didn't, I mean, there's so many dynamics. So sometimes if you're constipated, then you're not actually excreting all of your estrogen because that's actually a level of estrogen metabolism to actually excrete the estrogen. So you would maybe go for a magnesium citrate or something like that because that can really help constipation. But if you're just looking for generally something for headaches, I, I tend to like magnesium glycinate. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Do you want to touch very briefly on just how stress can play a role in in headaches and in migraines? And then We'll probably end there. Okay, sure. Yes. So uh, this is what I like to call the chain of pain, because actually when we think of stress, you think of your parasympathetic and your sympathetic nervous system and pain in itself can actually be stressful. So the pain from your headaches, if you're getting them all the time, can actually put you into more of that sympathetic dominant system, increasing your cortisol, which can actually increase pain sensitivity and you get in this chain of pain. So what we need to do is really get you out of the chain of pain. We need to work on bringing your cortisol levels back in balance because a, a imbalanced cortisol can be another trigger for headaches. And so just adding, you know, it really is individual, but just taking some time. You know, we're moms here. I get 
get it. I work on this all the time too, because I have to, you know, really listen to my own advice and take time for yourself. If it, even if it's say like, okay, kids, two, mom needs two minutes to sit and shut your eyes and do some deep breathing, a f- you know, a few times a day. If you can just find that space for yourself, because as moms, we often like really deplete our own cup. We give and give and give and don't really take care of ourselves. So if you can do something to just bring yourself back into that parasympathetic nervous system, just even a few times a day, whatever you can get in, it will be so beneficial for you. Yes, I I totally agree with that. And I think it's also, I think sometimes all you need is permission. So like this can be your permission to put something on your scheduler. And if it feels overwhelming, you just put in like a couple of hours once a month where it's like, okay, I'm going to go to a gym class and then I don't know, go get myself a smoothie by myself, or I'm going to just go for a long walk for two hours in the woods by myself or whatever it is, like schedule it in there. And then you can start small and then you should be doing at least, I don't know, I would say at least once a week, something for yourself, right? Like whatever it might be, whether it's just a walk or whether it's hanging out with friends or what have you, because I feel like it is, it is like so crucial for mental health of, of moms. It's just much, much needed. Do you have anything else you want to add? I know we kind of jumped around. We covered a couple different things when it comes to headaches and migraines, but I think we did a pretty good job. Is there anything you think we might've missed that you want to add in? Well, I just wanted to say that if this is, if you're listening to this and it's something that you've been struggling with forever and you feel like there's no answers, just know that there's hope because I feel like that's another thing, even really getting to feel like, okay, this can, I can feel better. I don't have to live with this. It, it's isolating. It's hard to, when you have that migraine, especially it's hard to do anything else here. You're trying to be the best mom you can. It it can affect relationships. So there is hope and you, there are so many things you can do to feel better. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to ask you two questions that I ask everybody I have on. The first question It doesn't have to be about anything we talked about today. So if you could give moms one piece of advice, what would that advice be? I think it would be to not be so hard on yourself. I think that's something we just want to give everything to our kids. And I know even like as a mother myself, it's it's just like I try to do everything. And if I, if I don't do set my, to the high standards that I set for myself, then I feel like, Oh, I didn't do enough, but you are enough. Just be kind to yourself, love yourself and do what you can because your kids love you and they appreciate everything you give them. Yes. And the second question is if you could make one meal for your family that everyone would eat, that's relatively quick and easy. What would it be? One of our favorites is Asian stir fry. So mm. it, it's full of vegetables there. We put some, ch- some grilled chicken in there with a little bit of rice and grill and grilled vegetables. And my kids actually love it. So I, it's a win-win in our house because we're eating a rainbow and getting a lot of phytonutrients at the same time that it's easy and delicious. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. So a few of my kids will eat veggies specifically. <laughs> all of them will eat like raw care. They actually like raw veggies so much more than cooked veggies. I don't know if that's like a thing with kids, but like it's crazy. I could like put together, like say I put together this stir fry, all of the veggies are cooked, right? Like in the stir fry. No, they'd be like, I am not having that. And it could be like peppers, carrots, whatever it is. And then I offer it to them in raw form cut up and they eat all of them. 
Great. Well, I guess they're yeah. get, either way, they're getting them. Right. No, yeah, you're right. It's just so strange. It's like the fact that they're cooked. Like, I don't know if they just yeah, don't like them when they're not crunchy. Yeah, yeah, I bet it's a texture issue. Yeah, they like because- they like them to crunch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's bizarre, but yeah, stir fry is a, a re- and it's so easy. You know, you just throw it all in there together and whip it up. Okay, this was awesome. Thank you, thank you, Dr. Meg, for taking the time to talk to us about headaches and all the specific causes that could be triggering them, and just a couple of little tips for us to try out. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug unwind, and have a little fun. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.